Well, this morning we're going to continue our series in relationships. Can you relate? And this morning, I've titled our talk, The Answer is in the Question. Last week we spoke about the importance that relationships play in our lives, that we were created for relationships, that it is something that occupies every facet of our lives. We talked how God was in himself relational. We also looked at the importance of critiquing ourselves. It was kind of the first step. If we're going to have healthy relationships, we have to realize the problems that lie within ourselves, then we talked about taking the plank out of our own eye before we try and remove the dust that's in someone else's eye if we're going to have a healthy relationship with those around us. And as I talked last week, uh, um, we saw that the scriptures were filled with a lot of good and bad examples of what relationships are like. And we definitely want to look at the good ones because I think we already can model the bad ones in many instances. But we want to look at the good examples of relationships and we really want to use Jesus as our model. If anyone knew what it was like to relate, it was Jesus. And how he related to other people is something I think we can learn from Remember that people are our greatest resource. And it's also the place where we most easily take these people, these resources, for granted. Because this is a resource that isn't supposed to be used just for our benefit. It's something that is supposed to be embraced and cherished. And Jesus never used people. And so we want to look and think, how do we in our relationships deal with people? Are we using people or are they something that we are treasuring and appreciating? And so if you have your Bibles, open them to Philippians chapter 2. It's going to be our base that we're going to jump from. Starting in verse 3. Paul now is writing to the church in Philippi and he's giving us this illustration of how we are to imitate Jesus. And in verse 3 he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. We should just stop there and go home and try and live that one out. But we'll, we'll go on and it says, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Again, we just need to pause and allow that to penetrate our hearts. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Think about this. Don't look at your own interests, not just your own, but to the interests of others. How do you find out someone's interests. You know what you're interested in. Those are the things that you do. If you're interested in sports, you follow your team on 
line or in, watch the games. If you're interested in music, you involve yourself in those things. If you're interested in some kind of hobby, you find out the latest things. If you're interested in knitting, throw that out for you, Denise, then you find out the latest knitting techniques. <laughs> Yeah, I hear, you know, they came up with a new double-stitch backhand or whatever, you know. I don't know. And some people find that interesting. But it's something that you involve yourself in. But how do you find out the interests of others? Was that you, Ted? That was you. I could tell by the guilt in your face. <laughs> well, the one way you find out about someone's interests, this might sound simple, but you ask. Questions. All you have to do is ask someone. Now, you don't have to just go up to, hey, what are you interested in? Oh, okay, thanks. That's not going to help your relationship, okay? But have you ever thought about why the scripture is filled with God asking questions? Think about that. Does God really need to know? And I was just kind of putting in to my memory the times I could recall where, where God would ask something, even back in the garden, the very beginning, when Eve gave Adam that forbidden fruit and they both ate and were ashamed, realizing that they were naked, and they went and sewed fig leaves together, and then they hid. And then God says, Adam, where are you? Did God really not know where Adam was? Where is he? He's hidden. I can't see him anywhere. What's he doing? Adam, where are you? That question is pulling something out of Adam. It's helping Adam to actually recognize where he is. Or what about when Cain killed his brother Abel? And God goes to Cain and he says, Cain, where is your brother? And Cain says, Am I my brother's keeper? Did God not know? We know he knows because later on he goes, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground, which is a creepy verse. But it's telling. And, and why is he asking that question? And why is he asking that question to someone who actually would know the answer? You see, when God is asking questions, he's not just trying to find out information, he is trying to find out the person. Think of Jacob when he was wrestling with the angel of the Lord all night, and the angel of the Lord touches his hip and he's crippled. And then he says, what is your name? Did he not know his name? Of course he knew his name. And he says, my name is Jacob. It means I'm one who, who finds things by treachery. I'm, I'm, I'm this kind of conniver of a person. He says, 
from now on you will be called Israel. You see, the question was revealing who he was, and then it moved him to a place to tell him who he was going to be. Or what about Jesus and his questions? I love some of the questions that Jesus had. Jesus, after the resurrection... He's veiled to two disciples who are walking on that road to Emmaus. And, and you guys know the story as he's walking to them. And he says, you guys are so downcast. What's going on? And they go, "Down? are you a stranger? Don't you know what's happening? Don't you know the things that have taken place in the last few days about this Jesus who we thought was going to be the Messiah? And then what does he say? Jesus says, what things? I love that. What do you mean, what things? You're just playing with them. He knew what things. He was what things. And then they start to unfold their hearts to him. And he goes, oh, you so lacking in faith, so slow to understand the scriptures. Didn't you know that the anointed one had to suffer these things? And I love that whole discourse because then it says that Jesus acted like he was going to keep walking on. Well, bye, guys. See you later. You know, like he's just going to keep walking. And like, Wait, stay with us. And then he reveals himself to them. Probably one of the more touching ones in John chapter 20, when Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb and finds Jesus is gone. And again, Jesus is veiled and she thinks that he's the gardener. And he says, what are you looking for? Is because he didn't know, he knew what she was looking for. And what he did was open up an opportunity for her to step into where we see one of the most beautiful examples of love. She said, sir, if you tell me where you've taken him, I'll go carry him myself. And then he just says, Mary. And she realizes it's him. She says... Rabbi. And then she just grabs him and he says, stop clinging to me. I got to go someplace. I got to go to the disciples. And these questions, what they did was bring an opportunity to actually engage people in a place that pulls who they are out. And you see, we need to do the same thing. We need to be able to, to speak to people and pull out what's really taking place within them. And sometimes the best way to do that is in questions. Those questions helped pull out the information that gave clarity to where these people were, where they really were, and it revealed the story of who they were. And having this opportunity to pull out the story of what's taking place in people is crucial in our understanding and getting to know someone better. And that's why it's in the title here. The answer is in the question. You want to have a better relationship? Then inquire about the people who you are involved with. Find out who they really are, what they love, what they hate, what they're passionate for. This isn't going to just help you to know them better. It's also going to help you to be closer. It's going to allow you to engage in a conversation that's going to help them to open up deeper and in ways that are more telling to you. 
How well do you know the story of the people around you? How well do you really know them? What makes them tick? What things they're passionate about? Things that really move them. Do you know what they've been through, their history, their past, or what they're currently going through? It was funny, this morning as they were setting up and I saw the songs and this last song that Danny sang when that came up, was I was looking at the words, I could say, this song connected with Danny. I can tell it did. And that was just while he was practicing and then he came and he shared how the song has touched him and he's like, yeah, how do I know? Well, because I kind of know the guy a little bit. Know, know what's going on in him. And I could see how this could be something that just grew out of him. You get to know where a person's at and you start to understand why they do the things they do, what moves them in the directions that they're being moved in and how it connects to them. I mean, it's kind of telling the story of their lives and we all want our story to be heard and to be known. We all want to be known by other people especially the people we're close to. I want them to know what makes me tick, what's really going on inside of me. That was part of that whole Crave series that we went through. It's something that we desire. And getting to know someone better is not something that happens by accident or incidentally. It's something that has to happen intentionally. You're not going to find out the deep things of a person usually by accident. It's going to have to be something that's intentional. I didn't accidentally get married to Kareem. Woke up in Vegas one morning and... (laughs) (laughs) What? We're married? (laughs) I guess that can happen, but it's not the way it happened with us. It was intentional. Got to know her. Started going out. found out about her, wanted her to like me, so I pretended to be someone she would like. Oh, you guys all do it too, don't forget. Got to know her, and as we grew together, so did our love. And if the question to help us unlock the ability to know people, if questions are what helps us to unlock our ability to know people, then the right questions are really going to be the key. Because a lot of times we're just inept on knowing what questions, how do we open these conversations, what do we do? And you see, this isn't just about relationships like husbands and wives. This is about friendships. This is about the people who you deal with at work. This is about just getting to know people better. This is about the ability to to share the things that are important. If God is someone who's important to you, this is going to help you connect what is important to you to those around you in a natural way. But knowing how to engage people in these questions are of vital importance. And we need to learn some things that are helpful. For one thing, when you're in a conversation, don't just talk about yourself. 
You guys all know those people. They love to talk about themselves. They love to show off. And a lot of times you can even see this with, with people who are dating. Especially young people, you know, you have a group and you see the guys and all they want to do is show off, try and make themselves look good. So they start bragging about all the things they do. And sometimes it's silly. Yeah, I'm at level 15 on this video game. Oh, dude, she's impressed. <laughs> or some other ability that they have, but they, they're talking about themselves. Don't just talk about yourself. Don't just show off. Okay, <laughs> all it does is show you're desperate. It's not going to make you look better. In fact, what's going to happen, it's going to keep you from growing closer. And so the self is some part that we, we need to be careful of. And so one of the things you need to beware of in relationships is the me monster. Now, I thought of a, a clip when I heard that title and thought of this that, from Brian Regan that I got to play for you guys that I think you'll enjoy. At least I enjoyed it. So um, we're going to put a little clip here about the me monster and get you an idea of what that looks like. Beware of the me monster. Is it all about you? In your relationships and in your conversations, are you just concerned with yourself or are you actually concerned with others? Romans says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Think about your conversations if you're engaging with people. Are you just trying to tell your story or are you trying to learn someone else's story? You know, this was a, a funny way to hear about people who only want to tell their story. But it's amazing in conversations how conversations can be dominated with people wanting just to hear their story. Are you that person? Because how are you going to get to know someone else if all you're doing is trying to tell your own story? In verse 5 in Philippians, Paul continues and he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Christ Jesus. Now Paul's telling us what that mind is and he's telling us here as well as in Romans. He goes on, he says, who being in the very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, even though he existed as God, even though he was God, he didn't act like he was God. He didn't walk into the conversation and say, listen to me, I'm God. He could have. You can't. We can't. But Jesus didn't use that opportunity. And in our relationships, we need to have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. We need to take this attitude of not wanting it to be about us and actually caring about others. We want to engage others. Showing interest in something begins with recognizing its value. Do you recognize the value of the people you're talking to? 
their importance. You know, we might say, oh, I know people are valuable, but how does that show up? We all know diamonds are valuable, but most of us don't know the difference between one diamond or another. And so they have ways of valuing diamonds. They have the color. Is it a yellow? Is it a white diamond? Is it a blue diamond? I don't know which ones are more important, but they do. We know the clarity. Is, is it disfigured? Is it distorted? Or is it really clear? We know the cut, how the diamond is cut, or the carat weight. We all know that one. You see, but a person who really knows the value of diamonds understands these different areas and is able to find what diamond is really valuable because they're involved in understanding it. The same thing is true with people. When you get to know someone, you find out how they're cut, the clarity of who they are, the weight of their life and and the impact of it, you start to find out the value of that person. But you're not going to find those things out unless you ask, unless you are involved, unless you steer the questions. Don't just talk about surface level things, generic things. Nice weather. Yeah, it might rain this week. Yeah. That'll be something. Yeah. How about them Dodgers? Yeah. How about them Dodgers, man? They're, what are they? Best record in the league now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, I veer. But Kemp, what does he have? Eight home runs? Nine? He's got nine? Oh, man. Guy's got like a 400 batting average. Okay. You see, but if you're a Dodger fan or if you're understanding baseball, all of a sudden you've got into a conversation. If you're not, it's just how about them Dodgers? Engaging in a conversation, a dialogue that pulls things from people. You know, it's funny. When people ask me, what do you do for a living? I could say one of two things. I could say I'm a pastor or I could say I'm a dog trainer. And really, in the Bible, pastor wasn't a job. It was a position involved with the church. And so it's kind of funny that it's become a job title for us now. But here's what happened. If I say, you know, someone's asked me, so what do you do for a living? I say, well, I'm a pastor. The conversation usually goes something like this. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and then it's dead. I better watch what I say in front of the pastor. (laughs) You know, my friends and I had a great time. Oh, it was at a party. Better not say that to the pastor. Or I can say, I'm a dog trainer. And when I say I'm a dog trainer, oh my goodness. Really? I've got this dog. My friend has this dog. Oh, I have the dog next door to me. It always barks. How do you deal with that? And all of a sudden, I'm engaged in conversation. And it's amazing. The difference just by saying what I do. And how the conversation can go from there. Turn to John chapter 4, because we want to see how, how Jesus steered a conversation
In John chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 1, and we're going to kind of go delve into this dialogue that Jesus has with a, a story you're familiar with. Starting at verse 1, it says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but the disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the point of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as, it was from the, as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Notice it started with a question. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Do you think Jesus knew that Jews and Samaritans didn't get along? He did. Do you think he purposefully asked this woman to do something for him, a Jew, even though she was a Samaritan, even though he was a man and she was a woman, that he crossed all these problematic areas. Do you think he purposefully did that? I think so. He purposely steered the conversation to get more conversation. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, what kind of answer is this? It's the kind of answer that's going to make her ask another question. That's the kind of answer it is. It's not the kind of answer that just stops and gives her the answer that stops the conversation. What he's doing is he's, he's kind of throwing the bait out there. Seeing if she'll take it. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. You thought his answer was vague before. What is this? And if she didn't take the bait before, she certainly took it now. What the heck are you talking about? Well, she doesn't say that, but she says, in verse 15, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. Okay, I'll take that water. I'll bite. And then Jesus goes further. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Now, Jesus is about to go into a place that is going to appear something's different. Why did he ask this question? Have you ever wondered why every now and then it'll say in the scripture that Jesus perceived what was in their thoughts? And whenever you hear that, you think, well, that's because it's Jesus. He just can read minds and stuff. 
But I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Jesus said that he only received what the Father gave him. He only spoke what the Father told him to say. He only did what the Father told him to do. And when Jesus perceives something, could it be that he's just actually good at reading people and understanding what's taking place? We know that this woman was there in the afternoon, which meant it was the hottest part of the day. We know that she was there probably because she didn't get along with the other ladies. Maybe she was an outcast, and we're going to find out why. Do you think Jesus maybe is just perceptive in what's taking place to know that this woman's here in the middle of the day for a reason? I'm going to find out what that reason is. Go get your husband. Verse 17, I have no husband, she replied. And then Jesus said to her, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands. The man you are now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Okay, this is a Jesus moment, okay? I... I That's one of those things. Okay, yeah, God did tell him that, and that is something unique. But you see, he pushed the conversation to an uncomfortable place, but a place that was going to pull out of her what was really taking place. He didn't condemn her for having five husbands and for living with a guy now. He just said, you're right, you don't have a husband. And then she says, sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. Yep. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Now see what's happening. Jesus started with water and he's brought her to worship. By asking a question to get water, by answering in a way that is causing her to ask more, pushing to a place, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. You're right. He's now moved the conversation from water to worship. He's now moved the conversation to a place of depth. And he just did it by being involved. One of the things that happens many times when we're talking with people, there's a couple of things that can kill the ability to understand people better. One is distraction. We're talking to someone, but we're distracted. The game is on. And you're at a place, you're eating, and you're talking to your friend, husband, wife, kids, whatever. And they're talking to you and say, you know what? This is happening and I'm real concerned about this situation. I'm hoping things can get better. Uh Uh-huh. And the game is on. And Kemp comes up. And he's got a four plus, 100 plus batting average. And you're wanting to know if he's going to get another home run. But they're talking to you and you're distracted by something else. Or your phone buzzes because you just got a text or a Facebook comment or whatever. So they're talking to you, "Uh uh-huh. And you're looking, you're not engaged. You think people don't know that? My wife knows it. She lets me know it when I'm not really there and I'm guilty. Yeah, you're right. One friend of mine, what she said she did is they had a group of friends and they all got together for lunch and they all put their cell phones in the middle of the table and whoever picks the cell phone up during lunch pays for everyone's lunch. 
Don't be distracted in the conversation. Be engaged. What if Jesus was talking to this woman and he goes, where are those disciples? I'm hungry. And he's looking for them while she's telling her, sir, this area of worship, you Jews say we're supposed to do this. What if he's just like, "Uh uh-huh, and he's looking around? Could have killed the conversation because he was distracted. Or if he didn't give her the attention. When you're talking to someone, you're engaging in a conversation, you're asking them about themselves, what if you're not really interested? And you guys have all been there. I know you have, because I know I'm not alone in this, where someone's talking to you and you're not there. You're just thinking of something else. You're thinking of something you need to do. You're thinking of somewhere you'd rather be. Whatever it is, your, your thoughts aren't there. And they're talking to you and you're staring right at them, but there's nobody home. You know, you're just kind of, uh-huh. And I know you couples know what's going on here in this conversation. You've all been there. And that terrifying moment when you realized they've said something important and I wasn't listening and I don't know what they said. And then you have to try and sneakily say, say that again in a different way so I can understand. You know. <laughs> Be attentive. Actually listen. Actually care. You see, because the, por- the importance of developing better relationships or asking questions isn't just to go through emotions, it's to actually care, to actually be involved, to actually find out where this person's at and what makes them tick. Going on in this story, verse 21, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. He's just revealed an incredible truth to her. The woman says, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This is an example where Jesus actually told a woman that he was the Messiah. He didn't tell that to just about anyone else. But he did to this Samaritan woman at a well in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the day, because of a conversation. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Because they're chicken. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back. She left the water jar there and went back to town and said to the people, listen to this, come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? Now, Jesus didn't tell her everything she did. What she is saying, come and see the man who really understands me. The man who answered the questions that I have. The one who who told me what I really wanted to know. You see, Jesus took the conversation from water and led it to worship. All he did was ask. All he did was continue. All he did was 
give her the things that would lead her to the things that were really important to her. All he did was be attentive to what was really going on in her, and he drew out of her the things that were really important to her. This is relational genius. This is Jesus engaging in the questions, and we have the ability to do this with the people who are in our lives, with our friends. Do you know what make your, makes your friends tick? Do you know the things that they're really going through? Do you care? Do you want to know? Well, I want my friends to come to Christ and to know the Lord. Well, do you know your friends? Do you know what's going to help them to get to that place? Jesus answered this woman's questions about worship, led her to the place of, what about this Messiah? I'm him. She left her water jar, ran back. I got, you guys got to come see this guy. He told me everything about me. This guy gets me. We all want to be known. How can you get to know someone if you don't engage and ask and inquire the things that are taking place in them? And so engaging them in the right questions, pushing the conversation in the right direction. Here's something that happens with me many times, and maybe it happens to you. We ask safe questions, questions that can be answered with one word or, or without really being engaged. So, um, where are you from? Texas. Oh, that's nice. Where in Texas? San Antonio. Oh, how's the weather there? How are them rangers? You see, the questions end and, and don't really engage that person. Or, hey, what do you do for work? No, I'm an electrician. Oh, what company do you work for? Lightning Bolt Electric. Oh. And the questions just kind of end there. What if you wanted to know more about that person? So when you ask them, so where are you from? From Texas. Texas? How did growing up in Texas shape you to be the person you are now? Now, that might not be something you would just ask anybody, but you see what you just did? You just asked this person to open up to you and to start bearing part of their soul, start explaining. You, you gave opportunity for the conversation to go somewhere else. You just said, well, if you knew who it was talking to you, you would ask me for water and they would give you this water. You've just opened to another and deeper part of the conversation. Or, you know, what do you do for work? I'm an electrician. What led you to be an electrician? Why did you choose to do that? That opens up more conversation. Well, my father was an electrician and he taught me to do that. Well, now you've got more insight and more questions and a different place to go. Was your father an important person in your life or is that someone who helped shape who you are? Is your job something that's fulfilling you or do you have a dream to be and do something else? See what you're doing now? You're actually trying to get to know the person and not just 
the things about the person. You're not trying to get information. You're trying to get to know the person. And we all want to be known. We all want someone to get us. We all want to be that woman who goes back and says, this guy knows me. He understands me. And so what we need to do is steer conversations in the way that's going to help. Ask the questions that lead to open-ended conversation. And ask because you genuinely care. This isn't about getting notches on a belt. We're not trying to just get to know people so we can get them saved, so we can say, I've saved people. We're actually caring about people like Jesus did. You don't need to know every detail about every person that comes into your life. There are opportunities when doors swing open. When those doors swing open, have the awareness to step in. When a woman came to the well, Jesus saw an opportunity. He saw a person that he cared about. And so he moved the conversation to one of meaning. Back in Philippians, finishing that passage. Verse 6 says, Who being in the nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In our relationships, to find out and engage people in the truth of where they're at, to try and move to deeper conversations, we need to care more about them than we do about us. We need to be willing to place them in a place of importance and want to push the conversation to care about them and not just something that's fun for us or a place where we can show off and talk about ourselves. Be mindful of how you're thinking in the conversation with people Be mindful about yourself, how you're thinking about yourself, what role you're playing, the questions you're asking. Are you really trying to get to know the person? Then you need to push that conversation to a place where they get the opportunity to tell you, where they get to see that you genuinely care. Do you ever try and get into a conversation where you do as little of the talking as possible? Because what you do is just keep trying to pull from them to learn about them, find out more about them. I mean, it's amazing the conversations that Jesus had and how so many people were able to talk and how we think that the best way to communicate is for us to just tell them. But in this conversation with the woman at the well, Jesus kept drawing from her. He wasn't drawing from the well. He was drawing from the well of whom this woman was, getting to know who she was. And she ran back and she brought the whole town with her. Because this man gets me. If we want to get people, we need to engage them in conversations that are going to pull the important things out of them. We need to care more about others than we do ourselves have this mind that was in christ and this is what we want in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as christ jesus let's pray
Father, I do recognize that you had the ability to engage people in the core of who they were. You moved conversations to places of depth and meaning. Lord, help us to do the same. Help us to move the conversation from water to worship. From dog training to relationship with God. From the places that are superficial to the places that are meaningful and deep. Help us to do this with our husbands, our wives, our children, our family, our friends, people at school, our co-workers. Help us to genuinely care with those people who come to the well thinking they want water, but they really want life. Those people who who enter into our space and, and into our relationships, help us to pursue those people in conversation of inquiry that draws from them what's going on inside. And from those places, give us insight into what is really taking place. May we be attentive. May we understand why they're there in the middle of the day. May we understand why they're going through the things that they're going through, why they are searching for the things they're searching for, why they're addicted to the things they're addicted to. May we ask the deeper questions and inquire from them what's really going on so that we can lead them to a place where they see you and the need that needs to be filled by you. Lord, may we care enough to be concerned. May we care enough to inquire. May we move relationships from being incidental to being intentional. And may our relationships with each other have the same attitude that you did, Jesus. We pray and ask this in your name. Amen.